Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome uh, to Christ Communities downtown campus. My name is Tyler. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here, and it is a pleasure to see you today. I'm very excited to learn with you what God has to teach us from his word today. But I should say first before we begin that this is a very special Sunday for me. Uh, you all know that I am from Fort Wayne, Indiana, and what have we said about Fort Wayne in this church? That Fort Wayne is a place for people you can trust. Uh, it is a great place. I love Indiana. I love Fort Wayne. And visiting from Fort Wayne today are my aunt and my grandma. Uh, so they're on a cross-country journey because Nina just turned 21, so she's got to see the country. Uh, so they've been driving all the way around and made it through Kansas City. And I have to say thank you to Aaliyah. There she is, coffee area. Yes. I didn't tell you this, and you did not know this, but growing up, Blessed Assurance was like the anthem of the church that I was raised in that we used to go to. Um, and so my heart was full, and I saw that was on the schedule. Again, this was many times we planned together. Sometimes even I get surprised. And this was a week of a surprise, but a great surprise. I mean, sincerely, thank you for that. I know we have many memories of singing that uh, just for years at that church, and you know, where Nina played piano for many years, and then my aunt... Um, you put a microphone in front of her, she won't stop singing. So we won't do that today. But so glad that you all are here. And I'm glad that you're here as well. And I hope this week um, has been good for you. It's been busy for me. And I'm nervous that maybe in all the hubbub of this week and all the flurry of activity, you might have missed a very special date uh, that happened this week. For example, did you know this past week on Thursday was October 25th? Now, did you celebrate October 25th? Do you know the significance of October 25th? Oh, yeah. Well, it means a few things. Let me catch you up. So October 25th is International Artist Day, uh, a day that our society recognizes artists at large. So if you missed your celebration there, as Eddie said, we have a dinner this coming Monday night. So you can have a belated celebration of artists and their contribution uh, to our world and our society. So on the 25th, it's International Artist Day. It also is the birthday of my dear uncle, Uncle Scott, or should I say now Dr. Scott Mills, uh, who finished some of his graduate work. So there was a great celebration in Fort Wayne for him, but that's not the big significance of October 25th. Here's why I love October 25th. It marks two months until Christmas, <laughs> which means, y'all, that I have started listening to Christmas music. Uh, on the file, please give me grace, y'all. This is a safe, okay, I'll sit down. Gabe's here. No, uh, it's a safe space. Right? I started this week. I had to with Mariah Carey's MC Merry Christmas album, perhaps the greatest Christmas album of all time. It peaked in 1994 and everything has been downhill since. Uh, but I started this week listening to Christmas music. And if there is one thing that Christmas teaches us, at least as it's celebrated in our culture, one thing that the Christmas season shows us about ourselves, at least as we engage it in 21st century America, here's what it is, that our desires are unlimited. Our desires are unlimited. What we'd like to do and what we'd like to see and what we'd like to experience, uh, it expands by the day. With each new ad showing us what we don't have, with each new photo from a friend showing us a place that we have not been, our desires grow and grow and grow and grow. They are unlimited. But even as our desires are unlimited, our time is limited. Right? Our time is limited. This is why philosophers say that time measures priority. 
because our desires are unlimited and our time is limited. It's ticking away. It can't be saved. It can't be stored. You can't kind of hoard it or buy more of it. Our time is limited and it's ticking away. And some try to avoid this reality and some seek to deny this reality, but those who are wise, those who recognize the fact that our time has a God-given span, uh, they live differently and they think differently, and they pray differently. Uh, for example, in Psalm 90, Moses pours out his heart to God, and he says, Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or a watch in the night. Our days, Moses says, may come to 70 or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Moses is saying the same thing. Our time is limited. It moves by quickly. It will one day come to an end. But then Moses does something that's unique. Then Moses does something that, if I'm honest, I know I don't always do. Maybe we don't always do. Then Moses prays in verse 12 of Psalm 90. He says, so teach us, Lord, to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us, Lord, to number our days so we might gain a heart of wisdom. Moses recognizes that a right recognition of the limited nature of our time helps us to make wise choices. And this morning, as we wrap up our series in the book of Proverbs, as we put a little caboose on the end of our restart smart train, this morning, as our study of God's wisdom in Proverbs comes to a close, uh, we're going to look one last time to this wisdom literature to think together about how we might embrace and embody God's wisdom. But before we do, I thought it would be fitting and wise for us to pray Moses' prayer. So will you join me in that prayer now? Lord, even in this moment, will you teach us to think thoughtfully about the limited time we've had and about the task that you've given us to do in the time that we have? so that we might be wise in how we use what you've given us. Uh, let us see more clearly after we leave today what you'd have us do today and tomorrow to honor you, uh, to love our neighbor, and to lead a life without regret. We need your help here, Lord, so we ask for it. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're wrapping up Proverbs today, and we'll close our time in Proverbs chapter 8. So if you join me there now, Proverbs 8, it's on page 532 of our community Bibles. That's where we'll be planted this morning, Proverbs 8. And I'm going to begin in verse 1, just reading the text, and it should be on the screens as well. But Proverbs 8, 1 says, Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand and she cries aloud. Now, we'll stop there for a bit. Uh, the, the writer here in the beginning of Proverbs 8 is presenting wisdom as something that speaks clearly and openly. Wisdom is one who raises her voice loudly in a public place. Now, some of you are aware that I recently upgraded from my dumb phone to the iPhone. 
Uh, did you know this, church? This was a big step for me. Years without it, I am now an iPhone user, and it has changed my world in many, many ways. I know how to send, like, gifts now. I tweet more frequently, if you're not following me on Twitter. No, uh, this is not a time for a plug. Uh, Marco Polo is a new app for me. There's all kinds of things I love with the iPhone, but perhaps my favorite invention on the iPhone is this. I don't know if you guys have these which, with whatever you use, but have you seen these? These little earphones course mine are all tangled that go in and then they let you talk like hands-free in a public gotta look at them y'all let you talk hands-free in a public place do you use these okay this is new to me this is brand new to me I am still adjusting well not too long ago I was in the Sunfresh maybe you've been there I'm walking through the Sunfresh and I am on the phone you know I'm just having a conversation while talking and this older lady just hops out in front of me and waves her hands. And she, but, you know, by the time I pull my earphones out, all I can hear her say is like, gosh, we can all hear you, you know, as she walks away. But I did not realize with my headphones in that the whole store of Sunfresh had turned into an audience to my phone call. You know, I, my own earphones were in. I didn't know what was going on. And my loud voice, apparently, was just letting everyone in on the stuff I was talking through with my mom, uh, which is just another story for another time. But in the same way, <laughs> wisdom speaks openly and plainly, right, in a crowded place, in a public place where folks are around. The author says wisdom has come to a busy place and has spread out her voice and is speaking openly and plainly to those that will hear. And what is wisdom saying? We see it in the text, verse 4. To you, O people, I call out, I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts on it. Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right. They are upright to those who have found knowledge. And don't miss this. Choose my instruction instead of silver knowledge rather than choice gold for wisdom is more precious than rubies nothing you desire can compare with her as this proverb is unfolding the image is this wisdom gets in the middle of everyone in the middle of everything she's right where people are gathering and she says hey listen up you need to hear this my instruction is more valuable than silver. My knowledge better than gold. My guidance worth more than rubies. You need to hear and embrace my instruction. This idea is repeated further down. We see it in verse 14 when wisdom says, counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight. I have power. And again in verse 19, my fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. Wisdom says, I am worth listening to. I am worth embodying. I am worth embracing. And church, as our study of Proverbs comes to a close, I think we need to hear this message again. I think we need to hear wisdom speaking directly to us. Right? Wisdom that says, I know I might not seem as appealing as that car you cannot afford. I know I might not seem as satisfying as that relationship you love, but then you don't, but then you love again, but then you know it's not right for both of you, but I'm in it still. 
wisdom says, I know I might not seem as exciting as living young and wild and free. I might not seem as safe and secure as battening down the hatches and hoarding cash and withdrawing from the neighborhood and avoiding generosity or engagement. I know I might not feel as liberating as backing out of that commitment that's difficult to carry out. I might not seem as restful as kicking back and unplugging and avoiding any kind of relationship that requires real work, patience, or care. I know I may not seem like the way to the good life, wisdom says, but my fruit is finer than gold. And what I have to say is more valuable than silver. I will take you where you want to go. I know the best way to use the limited time that you have. But how, wisdom? How, how, how do you know? Well, wisdom gives us an answer. Look with me, if you will, at verse 22. <coughs> Their wisdom says, the Lord brought me forth as the first of his works, before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be. When there were no watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water. Before the mountains were settled, sound familiar, Moses? In their place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the world or its fields or any of the dust of the earth, I was there when he set the heavens in place when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed the waters so that they would not overstep his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then wisdom says, I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world, delighting in humankind. Wisdom says, I'm more valuable than silver. I'm more valuable than gold. And what makes wisdom so valuable? What makes wisdom worth listening to? Well, in Proverbs 8, uh, 8, 22 through 31, I think it becomes clear. Wisdom is worth our attention because wisdom is God's oldest friend. I mean, did you see that in the text? As the author personifies wisdom to help us understand the value of wisdom, they, they paint this picture of wisdom being with God in creation of wisdom sitting right next to God as God made the mountains and the earth and filled it when he established clouds and water and sea and little critters and everything in it. You've you got to remember the author is saying wisdom was there all along. Now we also have to remember that like wisdom literature in the Bible, it doesn't always speak literally. So to be clear, I don't think the author is speaking about wisdom as if wisdom is some kind of Jiminy Cricket that God made first. You know, like, uh, first I make wisdom, now in the beginning I'll make the whole world. I don't think it's that way. I think the point that's being made here is bigger and deeper. The point is that in and around and above and underneath creation, as God is doing this work, wisdom is right there with God. Wisdom is aware of the world as it's supposed to be. God's wisdom, it was with him in the beginning and it was present as he made the world. In other words, our world was made with a design and wisdom knows it. It was made with an intentional design and wisdom knows it because wisdom was there to see creation. Wisdom knows what God intended in creation. And so wisdom, it helps us, you could say, live with the grain of creation, live with the grain of creation. Now, I won't pretend to be a woodworker, church, because you know me too well, but woodworkers would tell you that it's so much better to cut wood with the grain instead of against the grain, right? Are there any woodworkers here that can back me up? 
Come on, Jeff, help a brother out. Okay, in, good woodworkers know that you don't cut, if you don't cut a board with the grain, your saw blade's gonna tear out bits of wood and it's gonna just remind and rebuke you that you're doing it wrong. It won't look pretty when it's done. It's gonna be a rough cut, but rather when the grain is cut straight, when you cut along with the grain of the wood, the cut is, is smooth and the final outcome is beautiful. I think wisdom is saying, I know the grain of creation. I know how God made this world to be, and so I'm worth listening to. Even when it doesn't seem like I know, even when it feels like I'm out of touch, I'm worth listening to. I want to help you cut with the grain of creation. That's why Proverbs 8 ends in verse 32 through 36 with wisdom saying, Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Don't disregard it. For those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. But those who fail to find me harm themselves. And all who hate me, they really love death. Wisdom says, you've got to follow me. You've got to trust my instruction. I know that your desires are many and that they're expanding by the minute. I know that there's so much you'd love to do and see and taste and explore. I understand that many, many things clamor for your attention and for your devotion. But instead, I invite you, wisdom says, to trust me and live with the grain of creation. Look, I know you get nervous sometimes that if you don't do what all these other people say, you're going to live life with regret because there's something undone in the world that you didn't get to experience. Trust me, wisdom says. I know the path to life without regret. I know the path to life as it was designed to be lived. Wisdom says, I am that path. I'm the path to life without regret because I know how life was made to be lived. So follow me. Trust me. Hear what I have to say. Now, church, this is why we've spent seven weeks together in the book of Proverbs. This is why we decided as a teaching team and a pastoral team that it's worth it to engage this book of wisdom. This is why we've spent our time here. Because let's be real honest, our time is limited. We said that at the beginning. Even our time on Sundays is limited. We have to be real thoughtful as a teaching team of what we spend a Sunday doing because we only got 52 of them a year, right? So we're real thoughtful about what we engage. But we as a church, we value God's design because we're convinced that by living into God's design, people experience the most flourishing, it's best for people, and it's what gives God the most glory. And so we're sitting in a teaching team, and it's like, gosh, we've got to cover wisdom because this is how God designed the world. This is worth spending time on together as a church. Because we know that God didn't come to earth just to redeem us and ship us off to some other place. Someday, though, there will be great redemption that's coming. But Jesus also came to redeem life here and now and to let us even now, even in the work that we do or in the families that we have or the relationships that we keep, even now to begin to live divine life as it was designed to be lived. So we thought, gosh, we've got, we've got, we've got to cover wisdom. And so because we value God's design, we value wisdom at this church. So we've spent time seeing how God wants us to live and move and be in the world. And we've talked about relationships and friendships and money and all kinds of other topics. But now that series is coming to a close. Our desire to live in wisdom endures, but just this series is coming to a close. Because again, Christmas is right around the corner. So even though we will soon move on to other topics... There will be other things that we study and learn together on Sunday mornings. Our quest to grow in wisdom should continue. 
So in the moments we still have together today, we're going to just ask and think through this question, how do we keep growing in wisdom? Okay, we've spent seven weeks in wisdom. We've got some real practical handles on some real difficult parts of life, but how do we keep growing in wisdom? If wisdom is life as God designed it to live and we just want to know it and be it and embody it, how do we keep growing in that? How do we keep growing? Well, I've got just a few practical thoughts, three things I want to highlight in the time that remains. Uh, How do we keep growing in wisdom? First, I think we listen humbly. We listen humbly. I'm in the same way that my earphones at Sunfresh kept me from realizing how loud I was speaking. I think many of us have clogged our ears so that we never hear God's voice of wisdom. We hear the voice of our favorite newscasters. Uh, We hear the voice of our favorite talk show hosts. We hear the voice of our favorite podcasters. And it's great to be informed. I'm not saying you don't watch the news. I'm just saying that if we're honest, these voices hardly ever disagree with us or challenge us. Uh, They're usually voices that we've picked, and they tend to reinforce what already seems right to us, don't they? And so that's not a great way to grow or be pushed. Instead, we need to hear other voices, and more specifically, we need to prioritize God's voice. We need to hear God's voice of wisdom and attune our ears to it. For those we've learned this morning, wisdom speaks plainly and clearly, right? It's shouting out. It's available to us. Uh, Seldom are we, like, tuning into that channel. There's some other channels coming in loud and clear in our minds. So how do we listen humbly to God's wisdom and to God's voice? Well, again, a few practical thoughts. Um, A dear friend of mine once pointed out that Proverbs is conveniently divided into 31 chapters. Now, 31 chapters is about the same as the number of days there are in a calendar month, right? So 31, 31, sometimes you get 30. And so this friend, his, his idea was that, gosh, every morning I'm going to open to a proverb that corresponds with the calendar date, right? So today's what? Is it the, tw- this watch doesn't have a calendar. I need some help. Is it 28th? Okay. So I would open to Proverbs 28 in this friend's schema, and I would read just one or two proverbs there, just one or two. And he said what would happen is he added that in as a regular discipline is that, man, it was amazing how that just quick engagement with God's wisdom reoriented his mind and helped him navigate the world. He said it was amazing to just pick a proverb a day to correspond with the day of the month. It was a huge discipline in his life. Now, I'll be real clear, too. God's wisdom is all throughout Scripture. We don't just have to look in Proverbs to find his wisdom. On a macro level, the best way to hear God's voice clearly and plainly is to spend time in his word. But perhaps that discipline of daily engagement with Proverbs could get you kick-started in his word if it's been a habit that's fallen off lately. I'm telling you, Proverbs is full of good stuff. We have just scratched the surface in this series. And if we want to keep growing in wisdom, we have to be attuned to God's voice of wisdom. We hear it plainly in the scripture. So how do we, how do we listen humbly to God's wisdom? Well, we invite God's voice into our lives through scripture. If we don't do that, uh, it will be hard for us to grow in wisdom. But it's not just God's voice that we need to listen to. Again, that's probably the main voice. That's the best voice. That's the truest voice. But there's some other voices as well. I would say that other ways we can grow in wisdom are by listening to those uh, who are just a little farther in the journey of life, Uh, farther in the journey of faith, maybe folks who have a few more miles on their odometer, so to speak, Um, because this is what's true. Um, While God's wisdom was with him from the beginning, right, we saw that in the text, human wisdom tends to grow over time. Now, there are some folks that can grow up, and it feels like, man, you really missed the wisdom train. You know, you need to go back and start over. But generally speaking, 
generally speaking, human wisdom grows over time. So it's important that we listen to people who are wiser than us, who have seen more than us, which often means listening to people who are just a little bit older than us, who've seen what life is like. Now, we can do this in face-to-face -face interaction. This is why we talk all the time about the goodness of being an intergenerational church at Christ Community. We think it's great that not everyone here is the same age, but we've got some mixing here. That's a beautiful thing. And so let's use these relationships in church to continue growing in Christ-likeness in wisdom. It's a blessing. It's a blessing that we're surrounded by so many folks who have been walking with Jesus for a long time. But we can also listen to the voices of those who are a little further along with us or further along than us in faith by reading authors or reading books whose authors lived in a previous generation. Because uh, what happens is that so many like books that get popular all of a sudden, they already play into some cultural assumptions and some biases that we might even miss. And so we can listen to people a touch older than us or who lived in a previous generation than us, and it can just cut through all the clutter, cut through all the other noise, and help us live lives of wisdom. So again, we need to listen to God's word, we can listen to folks who are a little further along than us. And also, I would say, just finally in this listening point, that we need to listen to people who aren't like us. We need to listen to people who aren't like us because they tend to see some things that we don't see. They have a perspective that we don't have. Now, this happens all the time when other pastors visit Christ's community. Um, you may or may not know this, but it's, you know, not every week, but it's also not infrequent that some other pastors come to Christ's community. Uh, things like our residency and some of our faith work stuff sometimes brings in some guests. And generally when they come, they come to our Monday meetings. I don't know if you've heard me talk about multi-site Monday before, uh, but that's where all my friends, right, all the other pastors, we get together at our multi-site office, and that's kind of the day that we're, you know, in the same place, can get a lot of business done before we go back to our individual campuses and parishes. So on multi-site Monday, occasionally we will have visitors and without question, every time a visitor comes, because they're coming from another church context, they're coming from another church culture, there's a different way that they do things. Every time a visitor comes, they might ask a question about how we do things. And when they ask those questions, it is an opportunity for us to grow or reconsider some of the practices that we have. Because we do multi-site Monday every Monday. We're there every week. We love it. It's great to see, you know, Bill from Brookside and Reed from Olathe and have all your buddies around, right? But then when fresh voices come in, it allows us to see and evaluate things that we are blind to. In the same way, it is good for all of us to have outside voices from different places, people who are different than us speaking into our lives. They will see things that we don't see. So who do you listen to? And are you listening to God's voice by regularly engaging his word? Are there mature voices in your life who you trust and they can give you input in how you might grow or live more wisely? Who have you invited into your world who holds a slightly different perspective from you? Who's able to see some things about how you live and what you prioritize that you might not be able to see yourself? Who do you listen to? And anyone? No one? I do think one of the key ways we grow in wisdom, if we want to keep growing in wisdom, is by listening humbly. Listening humbly. We must become better listeners. And second step, we must ask good questions. Um, indeed, I think if we want to keep growing in wisdom, we need to start asking courageously. We need to ask 
courageously. It was Jesus' brother James who said, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. In it, wisdom will be given to you. To keep growing in wisdom, we must ask courageously and regularly for God to give us his wisdom. And James seems to suggest that it is ready and waiting for us. The God who made the world wants his people to live in the world with wisdom, so we just have to ask for it. And I would say it's not just God that we need to ask this question for, you know, what's wise here, what's wise here, but we could also get better at asking ourselves some really good evaluative questions, some self-evaluative questions. Indeed, one of my favorite questions when it comes to finding wisdom in a particular circumstance is a question I first encountered a few years ago. It's in a book called Ask It, and the question is this, in light of my past experiences, current circumstances, and future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? This is worth writing down. No, in light of my past experiences, current circumstances, and future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? Why do I love this question so much? Here's why. I think this question recognizes that wisdom is contextual, meaning wisdom has specific things to say to specific circumstances. Right? Wisdom might tell some of us there's nothing wrong with this after-work gathering. The people there are great. I'm sure they'll have fun together. But hey, this one might not be for you. Tonight might be a night to spend with other friends. Right? Wisdom is, is contextual because in light of your past experiences, your current circumstances, and your future hopes and dreams, man, what you're thinking about doing, it's not like it's necessarily wrong. And it's certainly not illegal, but it, it might not be wise for you. This one might be a no-go for you. Wisdom has specific things to say to each of us in specific circumstances. Wisdom might tell other of us, hey, no one else is speaking up in this situation. No one else seems to think it's wrong. No one else is, is bothered by it. But in light of that past experience you have, and in light of this current circumstance you're observing, and in light of where you want this company or this family to go in the future, man, someone's got to speak up now. No one else will. This is your chance to say something. That's wisdom. It's contextual. It's based in our, our past experience, our current reality, and where we hope to head. Wisdom is, is something different for each of us. And so might this be a question you start asking with greater and greater frequency? And this has been a huge question in my life. Man, Lord, in light of my past, right? In light of my current circumstance, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? Not what's the wise thing for my sister to do, uh, or what's the wise thing for my friend to do, my boss to do, uh, but what's the wise thing for me to do? This is a question that requires courage. Will you be courageous in asking this kind of question, right? And asking God to give wisdom, and he gives wisdom generously, but also asking yourself, man, I know myself. Is this wise for me or not for me, right? Not just is it right or wrong. Is it wise for me or is it not wise for me? So wisdom, it grows when we listen humbly, it grows when we act, ask courageously. And finally, it grows when we act deliberately. We act deliberately. Why do I think this is important? Well, because wisdom is always embodied. It's always inactive. It's not just knowing something, it's doing something. I mean, it's not a noun, you could say. It's not just something we know. It's a verb. It's something we do. We don't call people wise who say, I know I shouldn't have said that, but I did anyway. We wouldn't say that that's wise. We don't call people wise who said, I know I shouldn't have bought that, but I did anyway, right? We don't say that's wise. Just knowing that it wasn't the right thing, but then doing it anyway, that's not, that's not wisdom. And so if our journey in wisdom is going to grow, it's not just our thinking that changes, but our actions 
right? This is why we've talked about so many things when it comes to spending and relationships and doing. I mean, we, wisdom changes what we do, not just what we think. Now, I've got to be real clear. Wisdom changes what we do, but it doesn't just change it overnight. Uh, wisdom is a path. It's a long path. It's not one we sprint down. It's one we learn to walk better and better as we journey with Jesus. Now, this past week, an author that I respect immensely, uh, immensely passed away, Eugene Peterson, who wrote all sorts of books, um, and then even the, the message translation of the Bible. He passed away at age 85, I think it was this Tuesday. We uh, love Eugene around Christ community in many ways. We use the message from time to time to help make scripture maybe a little more live or understandable. He's a brilliant, brilliant scholar, knew his Hebrew and Greek, and I could only aspire to, to know what Eugene did. And of the many gifts that Eugene Peterson has given me, uh, one stands out above the rest. See, Peterson is famous for coining the phrase, a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. This was Peterson's shorthand for what it means to follow Jesus. He said, the path, well, it's long. Uh, the direction is towards God and his design. And the journey, he notes in the book, is characterized by discipleship, repentance, worship, service, and joy. Let's not forget joy, but it's a long obedience, Peter says. It's a long obedience in the same direction. And over the past few days, uh, I've been thinking about what it means to live that long obedience. Specifically, I've been thinking, okay, I want to grow in wisdom. I want to walk the long path with God. I want to be in this for the long haul. Uh, but what will that mean? How will that look in my life? And wouldn't you know it, but as I've been reflecting, I thought of yet one more Shel Silverstein poem. Now, I promise I'm not going to use Shel in every sermon, but he fits so well with our Wisdom Series, church. So would you indulge me? A final Shel Silverstein poem. It popped into my head this week, and I haven't been able to get it out. Listen to this. Shel wrote, these boots are a little too big. It's a fact I'm forced to admit. I'm clumsy and slow, but in 10 years or so, if my feet only grow, they'll fit. Now, friends, I love you too much to lie to you, so I'm going to let you in on this secret, but you already know it. You're really smart. Uh, many, many days, doesn't it feel like these boots are just a little too big? And I know many days in my journey to walk with wisdom and live as God designed, I feel clumsy and I feel slow. But I know that our good God, who has grown me and shaped me already and directed me in all kinds of ways, will continue to grow and shape me as I listen humbly, act courageously, and act deliberately. And I know he wants to do the same for you. The path of learning to walk with wisdom, it's a long path. It is clumsy and slow, but the destination is life as God designed it, a life without regret. So as this series ends, our journey to walk with wisdom doesn't. Can we commit together this morning to being partners on that path, walking the long obedience in the same direction, trying to grow together as a community that embodies God's wisdom? Can we make that commitment together? I think we can, and I'd love to pray and ask for God's help in that process. So will you join me in prayer? Oh, Lord, we want to be people of wisdom. We want to be people of your wisdom who recognize your design for the world that you made. But there are so many other things that call out to us and pretend to be wisdom. Uh, there's so many other voices that try to shape us and redirect us. Lord, would you turn down the volume of those voices in our life and turn up the volume 
of your voice and help us know what it means to walk wisely. We need your help to do it. We cannot do it on our own. So God, would you be with us, Lord? We're dependent on you. We trust your wise voice. It's in your powerful name we pray. Amen.